Fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Forget him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. Well, fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? But you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Everybody, welcome to the 30-something movie podcast call-in show. Thank you all for being here tonight. The first caller on the line is Jeff M. Jeff M., what's on your heart this evening? Hi. First-time caller, long-time listener. You can call me a... De- you can call me Delilah. Hi, Delilah. I'd like to send out a dedication to my friends at the 30-something movie podcast. And what would you like to play for them tonight? Another one bites the dust. (laughs) Okay. I thought with Pat on here, I thought you were going to pick something like the love boat. (laughs) Or something with drums. (laughs) With with Pat on with Pat on here, I'd like to pick the soundtrack from Pearl Harbor, his favorite movie. <laughs> My favorite Spirit in the movie. sky. There you go. <sighs> hi everybody. Hi, everybody. It's <laughs> me. I'm back. Hi Mark. Oh hi Mark. Oh hi Jeff. Sorry, no, I'm like stuck on that today. That's I don't know okay. why. So you've heard Jeff. You've heard Bo. I think you might have heard Pat laughing back there somewhere. Pat was laughing. Pat hey, was hey, laughing. everybody. Well, our episode this time around is Sleepless in Seattle. So we are in, we're knee deep in 1993. And we are in our, this is actually the first of our month of April movies, our location, location, location. Every movie this month has a location in the title. So that is the theme. All right. Well, we spoil freely here as we talk. We just mention other movies. And so just, this is your only warning, really. Make sure you visit our website, 30podcast.com. That's 30podcast.com, where you can leave a rating, a voicemail. You could become a co-executive producer via Patreon if you like what we're doing. If you've been listening to the show for five minutes, five months, five years, and you like what we're doing, I would plead with you to go check us out over there on Patreon because we have some other great bonus stuff that's over there as well. So if you like what you're hearing on the show and if you've been with us for a while and you want to support the show and help us keep everything going and and improve and make things better, we do that through the donations and the support that we get through Patreon. So we are so thankful for everybody that helps us out over there to help keep the lights on here, to be our co-executive producers. And thank you so much to them for all the support they've given us over the years and the friendships that we've been able to start with folks over there. And so if you have if you have a, a couple of extra bucks a month that you would like to throw this way because you've been enjoying the show for a while or even just a little while, head over there, go to our website, or you can go to thirty or you can go to patreon.com slash thirty podcast and check it out over there. All right. Because this is the first episode of the month, we always start the month with our segment called This Month in 93. So we are April 
1993. Does anybody remember where they were or what they were doing in April of 93? April of 93. Pat and I were probably finishing up our freshman year of high school. Okay. Well, yes. Yeah, I, I don't even know why I question that. Yes, I'm terrible with dates. Yeah, and for any for, 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 from math is hard. Yeah, it's I understood there would be no math. See, you guys have gotten to the point where I don't even need the sound drops anymore. Yeah, I feel like they have we been, make our own. They've they've kind of become unnecessary. I don't yeah, recall what the year. big news of April of '93 was, John. Why don't you go ahead and share that with us? I am going to share some of that with you. So here we go. This month in '93, let's jump in the DeLorean and head on back there. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... So, April of 93, my family, we were still living in England at that point. So, we were still overseas living there. I think we moved back the next spring, I believe. So, April of 93... April 19th, the siege at Waco, Texas, a 51-day standoff between the Branch Davidians, a religious sect led by David Koresh and federal agents from the ATF and FBI, ended with a tragic fire at the compounds. The compound in Waco, Texas, over 70 people, including Koresh and many children, died in the fire. It had begun on February 28th after an initial raid by the ATF to serve search and arrest warrants related to firearms violations. The... Semi-funny story that goes along with this is my dad was completely convinced that he saw David Koresh on a train when we were in London around this time. And he was a smart Mm. man, but I tried to explain to him, Dad, you remember the news? Remember the big fire? Remember they said he was dead? I don't think you saw him on the train. Maybe he faked his death. And moved to London. As you do. do. Thank you. (laughs) You fake your death and move to London, as you do. As you do. Oh, well, there's a T-shirt for the merch store. (laughs) (laughs) Fake your death, move to London, as you do. As you do. As you do. do. Uh, The other top news from April of 93, the trial begins for the four suspects involved in the World Trade Center bombing that occurred on February 26, 1993. The attack killed six people and injured more than 1,000. Famous births that happened in April of 93, April 16th, Chance the Rapper was born, and uh, on April 25th, singer Sofia Reyes was born. Deaths in April of 93, April 23rd, was Cesar Chavez died, and in top sports, we have little little basketball, little baseball, the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship on April 5th. North Carolina Tar Heels won the championship, defeating the Michigan Wolverines 77-71. to The game was notable for Michigan's Chris Weber calling a timeout when his team had none remaining, resulting in a technical foul and sealing the victory for North Carolina. And then we have the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship on April 4th. The Texas Tech Lady Raiders won their first NCAA Women's Basketball Championship, defeating the Ohio State Buckeyes 84-82. Cheryl Swoops scored an NCAA Championship game record 47 points for Texas Tech in the victory. That is over half the points for her team. That's crazy. And then this one, I vividly remember this one because I remember hearing stories about it and I actually had a a pen pal back in the States that I would write to and they were kind of telling me about it. Major League Baseball's 1993 season began in April with teams competing throughout the month and this season was notable for the expansion of the league as the Colorado Rockies and the Florida Marlins played their inaugural seasons. Yep. I remember that. 
still not so sure about some of those decisions, but hey, what do you know? Well, well, we had to have a Florida team so that Back to the Future 2 could come true. There you go. Yeah. Top book was Bridges of Madison County by Robert James Waller. Top movies were, dear Lord, Cop and a Half and Indecent Proposal. <laughs> Those wow. are the top movies for April of 93. And yet That's they, uh, they, a sad state of affairs. Both nominated Jurassic for Park. Razzies. Jurassic Park hadn't come out yet. It's true. Yes. So just a little context. Four then, months and then we get Jurassic Park. Yeah. And then top song was Informer by Snow. Ah. That is still a turn it up a little bit when you're driving around. Just a bit. All right. Little, John, uh, can I uh, throw one little piece on there too? Yeah, go for it. You got something uh, else? It probably fits back. I do back in the sporting in the sports section. Yeah. Formula One, Formula One motor racing, and Ayrton Senna, the great Ayrton Senna. And I'm just going to announce my biases to anybody listening. Ayrton Senna was one of my favorite drivers, and this was about the time that I was really starting to become a fan of motor racing, other than just watching occasionally and all that. And I'm pretty big, always will be, and always was an Ayrton Senna fan. And he had, in 1993, what they call the lap of the gods. In April 11th of 93, it was the British Grand Prix at Donington Park. And it was pouring down rain. And he went from fourth or fifth place in a car that he didn't quite have the best car that season. And the best, the best way I can drive it, explain it, is it looked like it was raining for everyone but him. And you can find it on YouTube. You can find, like, you can actually find the lap. You can find a lap with the breakdown. You know, like, there's plenty of that stuff. But I I'd encourage anybody that just, if you're a motor racing fan, if you're a Formula One fan, you probably already know about it. But if you're a motor racing fan or if you're just a fan of cool things, check out 1993 Donington British Grand Prix or it was Donington. I don't know if they called it the British Grand Prix or if, or if it was because sometimes it was in Britain, but they called it. A, I think it was the British Grand Prix. Anyways, at Donington Park, 93, April 11th, Ayrton Senna, the lap of the gods. And he does some of the most incredible driving ever. And he was racing against some incredibly. It was a packed field of lots of talented, lots of talented people in the field because Alan Prost, I think Damon Hill was driving then. And Michael Schumacher was in the field. And anyways, he, uh, so I'm, I'm going to talk for a whole hour just about that one lap. So I'll be quiet now, but yes, 1993, April 11th, Ayrton sent his lap of the gods. Just because I still have it queued up. Nerd alert. There we go. <laughs> That's right. I will take, I will take that any day of the week. No. Any day of the week. All right. Our next segment is called Trivia Pursuits. This is where we dump a bunch of information on you about this movie, share a little bit of the cast and crew and what else they were featured in, and then we jump on into our little bit of trivia, and then we jump into the synopsis. We give you the trailer and the major moments from this before we talk a little bit more about our opinions of the movie. So, Trivia Pursuits. For Sleepless in Seattle, this one came out on the 25th of June, 1993, rated PG, with a runtime of 1 hour 45 minutes, directed by Nora Ephron, who directed Julie and Julia and Michael. Writers for this one were Nora Ephron, David S. Ward, and Jeff Arch. Ephron wrote When Harry Met Sally, Ward wrote The Sting, and Arch wrote Sealed with a Kiss. Producers were Gary Foster and Jane Bartlemy. Foster did Daredevil and The Soloist. Bartlemy did The Beautician and the Beast and Slappy and the Stinkers. Music by Mark Shaman. I, don't even ask me what Slappy and the Stinkers is. I <laughs> Thank you. I was like, wait just a minute. Hold on. 
Did you slip that in to see if I, we'd notice? I, I, our, I our dear listeners, if you could have seen the faces on Bo, Pat, and myself at that moment, it was a sight to behold. I, I hope to the good sweet Lord that it's a cartoon. I, nope. No, it's I, not. Okay. I'm about to look it up over here. Oh, I'm, I'm looking it up too. Uh, let's just say the top cast is Jennifer Coolidge, Bronson Pinchot, B.D. Wong. Let's see. Slappy and the Stinkers. At a prestigious private school, Dartmoor Academy, Principal Morgan Brinway is forcing the second graders to study opera appreciation. Well, I'm excited. <laughs> group of young troublemakers try to help the sea escape to an ocean. Plot concerns a group of, yeah, group of children who try to save an abused sea lion from a greedy circus owner. Oh. oh. I'm going to guess Slappy is the sea lion. Well, yeah, and the stinkers are the yeah. You would well, think if so. it's an animal, if it's an animal cruelty deal, I, I know. Think, now we can't really yeah. goof on it. No, we can't. Five that's second a, grade students who don't follow strict rules by their school principal Brinway are dubbed stinkers by him. On the class visit to an aquarium, the stinkers decide that a sea lion called Slappy doesn't feel too good there. Free him and plant him into Brinway's hot tub. Hey guys, Frank Welker, one of the most prolific voice actors of all time, does the voice of Slappy. Oh boy. Bron- I know I should know this. Who is Bronson Pinchot? Corson Larry? Corson Larry, that's right. That's he who was, it is. Uh, and he, 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 he was in that really. He was Belky Bartokamus in yep, Perfect Strangers. And he was and in he was, Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. and uh, Get out of town. Aquel, no, I cannot. Aquel, I cannot. Aquel, Aquel, okay, Mr. Foley. He was also in that really awesome movie with Christian Slater that was amazing, and it had a great soundtrack. And Quentin Tarantino wrote the script, and mm-hmm. it's True Romance. He was in True Romance, yeah, too, right? About. Yep. Yeah. So before you get too excited about this and decide that you might want to go out and see it, let me share a couple no, of other. No, I won't go that far. Okay. Sh- I'll share a couple <laughs> of other. Just... I'm not sure anyone has implied that. Just, we'll just... talk about it in 1998. There you go. Why don't we do that? I'll put it on a list, and we can shove it into 1998, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Okay. This, I, Bo, I think this might be one that we have trouble finding. You think? <laughs> Well, just to share, just in case anyone listening is like, oh, well, I enjoy those actors. Let me disabuse you of that notion very quickly. The film holds a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, holy hell. The film made... I didn't know that was a thing. It, it is definitely a thing. In fact, there have been times where I'm like, huh, I wonder if catching some of the 0% Rotten Tomatoes movies might be kind of fun every now and then. And then mm-hmm. I find I don't have free time, so then I choose And then you say, it's okay. So let me also share this with you. Do they uh, come with a bottle of booze? I hope so. The movie made $34,000 in its first weekend. Its total box office gross, hold on to your hats, $80,000. Oh. You don't say. <laughs> God. Now it's just the family of the cast that want to go right. see it. <laughs> right. Right. That's, right. That was the night of the premiere. <laughs> yeah. So Slappy and the Stinkers was a bit of a stinker. Slappy and the Stinkers. Who saw that one coming? Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to project shenanigans, but gosh, that is some sort of money cleaning (laughs) situation written all over it. My God. It's like having three mattress stores right next to each other. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last thing about slapping the stinkers, and then we're moving on, is uh, it had a budget of eight million. So on a budget well, of eight if you million, had a talking <laughs> animal. I mean, you're going to have to do some work. On a budget of eight million, it made eighty thousand. I could I could only hope Frank Welker actually voiced seal sounds and not actual like speaking voice for the seal. Oh, I could just about guarantee he just did seal sounds. But, I don't know for eight million. But now I'm really curious to watch this movie. As am I. I Heart- feel like we should have. You know what? Next time we record in person, y'all show up early. We'll sh- we'll put it on in the man cave. We'll give Dennis some Lagavulin. We'll all need some Lagavulin. I think we're all going to need some. For real, man. Holy crap. I will, all right. Anyway. I, I'll bring two bottles of Drambuie. We digest. Sleepless in Seattle. So where was I? Mark Shaman did the music. He did Adam's Family in 91 and Hairspray in 2007. Cinematography was done by Sven Nyquist, who did Cries and Whispers and Fanny and Alexander. Editor was Robert M. Raitano, who did Mermaids and the Thomas Crown Affair, the 99 version. The production company was TriStar Pictures, who are also known for producing Hook, Philadelphia, which we're also going to talk about this month, and Jumanji. The budget for this one was $21 million. Box office was $227 million. <laughs> Flick Metrics gives it a 69%, and CinemaScore nice. gives it an A. That's right. <laughs> Starring Tom Hanks as Sam Baldwin, who's in Forrest Gump and Saving Private Ryan. Meg Ryan was Annie Reed. She was in When Harry Met Sally and You've Got Mail. Ross Malinger was Jonah Baldwin. He was in Sudden Death and Little Bigfoot. Rosie O'Donnell played Becky. She was in A League of Their Own and The Flintstones. Bill Pullman played Walter. He was in Independence Day and Casper. Rob Reiner played Jay. He was in This is Spinal Tap and The Wolf of Wall Street. Rita Wilson played Susie. She was in Jingle All the Way and Runaway Bride. Victor Garber played Greg. He was in Titanic. And David Hyde Pierce was Dennis Reed. He was in The Perfect Host. Let's see. I've got some trivia here for us. The two main actors, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, had limited screen time together. They were the main stars of the film, but they share only Less about two, two minutes, minutes or something like that. Yeah. Two minutes of screen time together in the entire movie. Oh. Hmm. Supposedly, there was some real life inspiration. The idea for the story came from a real life incident when a producer's friend called into a radio show and was asked to talk about her deceased husband. This event led to the concept of a widower calling into a radio show and captured the hearts of listeners. And so that was potentially one of the places where this concept came from. At Tom Hanks' suggestion, he provided some input for the script, scene where his character Sam talks about the his de- deceased wife's quote-unquote magic was added because that was something that Tom Hanks felt might be a nice touch. Tom Hanks was simultaneously doing voice work for the character of Woody in Toy Story during his days off from filming this movie, which that one's coming up in two more years for us. I think it's amazing not. when you think about how the production timeline was ob- was that much longer for that type of movie. I you know, because with the Pixar movies, wasn't that taking almost three, three or four years to make those? Yeah. yeah. Some of it was the rendering time back then. You right. just had to wait. Yeah. You did an animation, you waited, you walked away, you came back, you looked at it, you said, uh-uh, fix yeah. it. Three months later. Yeah, pretty much. And- That's just so incredible to me. All of those. That, that factoid. Yeah. Just, wow. The original person considered for the role of Annie was Julia Roberts. And she actually turned it down because she was working on uh, Pretty Woman at the time. Okay, these next three I have, I've kind of tied them all together because they are fun little connections to other 
maybe connected, semi-connected sitcoms that took place. So this movie has a pre-Seinfeld reference to the real-life soup Nazi. There is a scene where a male journalist is speaking as Meg Ryan enters an office at her newspaper, and you overhear them saying he's the meanest guy in the world, but he makes the best soup you've ever eaten. No soup for you. No soup for you. I'm back uh, one year. David Hyde Pierce is in this movie. David Hyde Pierce also played the brother of a radio psychologist in Seattle on Frasier. Obviously, this movie is about a man living in Seattle who speaks to a radio psychologist for support because of his loneliness. And the radio station that he they call into for this one is KACL. That is also the radio station that Frasier Crane works for in the Frasier Crane show. Get out of town. I I cannot. <laughs> All right, our synopsis for this one, in the style of our buddy Don LaFontaine, who I'm sure, if he was still around, would be a friend of the show. In a world where love seems lost and destiny is just a word, two lonely souls separated by thousands of miles are about to discover that fate has other plans. When Sam, a widower and father, opens his heart on a late-night radio show, he captures the attention of the entire nation, including Annie, a journalist who's given up on the idea of true love. But as they each navigate their own lives, can destiny bring them together? Get ready for a heartwarming journey filled with laughter, tears, and the magic of love. This is Sleepless in Seattle. If you've just tuned in, we're talking to Sleepless in Seattle. You call the radio station? Christmas Eve. He phones in one of those radio call-in shows. He tells them that his dad needs a new wife. And the shrinkette practically forces a guy onto the phone and says, Tell me, what was so special about your wife? Well, Dr. Marshall Fieldstone, I think. It was like magic. magic. Sleepless in Seattle? That's what you call them on the show because he can't sleep. And now 2001 want his number. Dear Sleepless in Seattle, you're the most attractive man I ever laid ears on. The guy could be a crackhead. Actually, he sounded nice. You know it's easier to be killed by a terrorist than it is to get married over the age of 40. That's not true. That statistic is not true. That's right. It's not true. But it feels true. Sandy has a girlfriend, Glenda. She's a weightlifter. Well, it's not like her neck is bigger than her head. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not asking you to set me up. What about Walter? Walter and I are engaged. <laughs> Today, I consider myself the luckiest man, 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 on the face of the earth. There, 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 there. When's the last time you were out there? Jimmy Carter, 1978. Things are a little different now. I am having all of these fantasies about some man I have never even met who lives in Seattle. It rains nine months of the year in Seattle. I know! Tiramisu. What is tiramisu? You'll see. Some woman is going to want me to do it to her, and I'm not going to know what it is. You'll love it. What if I never meet him? What if this man is my destiny and I never meet him? Your destiny can be your doom. I want to meet you. Dad, read this, read this. Where is Seattle? Right. Where's Baltimore? Ah, it's right there. Look, one, two, three, four, but there's like 26 states. But what I really don't want to do is end up always wondering what might have happened and knowing I could have done something. This is crazy. That's what I'm trying to tell you, what women are looking for. Packs in a cute bun. This is the one I like. There is no way that we are going on a plane to meet someone who could be a crazy, sick lunatic. Didn't you see Fatal Attraction? You can't, you can't even turn on the news nowadays without hearing about how some babe thought some guy's butt was cute. So how's my butt? 
bad. Really? Yeah. Is it cute? You grading on a curve? Uh, don't worry, that will not be one of the three questions, so don't worry. What, if you have a cute butt? Yes. You do. Oh, well, thank you. I think that's a given, right? Oh, uh-huh. okay. All right. Well, I've been we are grading on a curve, right? That's true. I mean, I've, I've been working out like once a week. <laughs> oh, wait, were you serious? You know. Hey, I'm in shape. Round is a shape. Round, Round is, is a shape. shape. Thank you. Ah, another T-shirt for the merch store. Pear is a shape. Uh, These things are all true. That's true. All right. Well, some major moments for this one. I've broken the plot down into about about 10 or 11 major moments, so we'll fly through the plot real quickly, and then we'll get on into our opinions of the movie, our deeper thoughts, if you will. It's like a lot of plot points. They, they go quick. All right. Real quick. So major moment number one is Sam's wife's death. The movie opens with the funeral of Sam's wife, setting the stage for his grieving process and a, well, we don't know at this point, but a potential search for new love. Major moment number two, Jonah calls in the radio show. Sam's son Jonah calls a national talk radio show to express his concerns about his father's well-being and loneliness, leading to Sam's conversation with the radio host about his late wife. I should say, actually, one of these is, is popped a little bit out of order here because what should have come first is Sam and Jonah move to Seattle in an attempt to start fresh. Sam and Jonah move from Chicago to Seattle where Sam continues his grieving and struggle with the idea of finding new love, although he's not really open to that much at this point. So we've got the move and then Jonah calls into the radio show. At the same time, we have Annie across the country while driving. Here's the radio show featuring Sam's heartfelt story, becomes intrigued by him, sparking her interest in his life and her emotional connection to him because she's not particularly thrilled with what I've got for the next major moment is her engagement. She is engaged to Walter. He's a nice guy, but he's a little boring. And despite her engagement, she can't quite shake her feelings for Sam, the guy she doesn't even really know, but only knows based on his voice from the radio show. Next major moment, Annie writes a letter Encouraged by her friend and co-worker Becky, Annie writes a letter to Sam suggesting they meet at the Empire State Building on Valentine's Day, referencing the classic film An Affair to Remember. It's just like that movie. (laughs) Jonah reads the letters to his father by various women, including Annie's, and he becomes convinced that Annie is the one. That that is the right woman for his father. Sam is not quite so convinced about that. And Sam ends up going on a few dates with someone he knows through one of his jobs that he's... Victoria, I believe was her name. They go on a few dates. Jonah's not thrilled with Victoria. That would not be his top pick. You know, he, he's feeling a little a little left out from this whole thing. You know, his, dad's, his dad seems to be fairly happy, but I think Jonah can also, in a sense, maybe tell that his dad might be settling for something, but... Might be open to interpretation. Next major moment, Annie and Sam have kind of a near miss in Seattle. She goes all the way to Seattle for, quote unquote, investigative work. And without really knowing it, she ends up having kind of a near encounter with Sam and Jonah at the airport. And then they end up seeing her actually out on the road later on when she gets close to where their house is. And then on Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day, Jonah actually makes arrangements to fly to New York City alone without his father to meet Annie at the Empire State Building. And obviously Sam finds out about this and makes his own trip to New York City to go find his son. And then the end, the last major moment is Sam and Annie finally meet. They meet at the top of the Empire State Building where they exchange a few words. They instantly connect and kind of walk off together at the end of the movie. 
So like I said, that's a very quick flyby of the plot of this movie. Is there anything we could talk about more, more like, favorite moments and things like that as we go through on our opinion part. Is there anything, any big moments that you felt like I missed in our quick flyby? I think we covered most no, of it. No, I think you got them all. Yeah. Okay. That sounded like all the, all the important points. Okay. All right. It's time for some deeper thoughts now. And now, deep thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's very deep. Thank you. All right. So, deep thoughts on this one. Let's let's start with more of a surface-level thought. Do you like this movie? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I will. I will echo all of the yeses so far. Yes. Yeah, it's. it's... I, I I more than like this movie. Like, I'll this will be a probably maybe two times a year. Okay. Mm. This, no. will, this, this mm. will go on in our house. Okay. You romantic, you. Ah, well, we all have to have our hobbies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Katie and I both really like this movie. So sometimes you just. You just want to have something fun and comforting to put on, and this movie fits that bill. And the the chemistry between Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, though they're separated throughout most of this movie, it still works. It's 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 an enjoyable, fun little movie. Yeah. Do you? When was the first time you saw it? Do you remember? Late high school, early college. Okay, I, I know I didn't see it in, in in theaters, but but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's. I think I think I own a copy of this one. Like okay. it's in my library. It's it's just it. I find a lot of enjoyment in this movie because it's it's happy. It's positive. Yeah, it takes a a negative, sad situation and shines a positive light on it a little bit. Yeah, I don't recall for for me, for my wife and I, we it probably would have been like late '90s during high school that we first saw this. Sometimes we would get on these kicks where we would watch several movies in a row that that featured the same actor or it was the same director or whatever. And so I feel like this was either one of our one of our Tom Hanks stretches or one of our Meg Ryan stretches because oh, around about God, the same you didn't time, like watch this in Philadelphia in the same night, did you? Oh no no no. <laughs> Good move. No, that that would not be the combination we go for. This actually, I think this one was probably part of our Meg Ryan collection because we had watched and really enjoyed the movie French Kiss, and then we probably saw. I'm trying to remember if we saw this one, and then round about that time, let's see, would that have been ninety seven or ninety eight when You've Got Mail came out? Mm-hmm. Ninety eight, yeah, ninety eight was You've Got Mail. So I would imagine right around that time we probably we saw that one in the theater. I remember that, and we had seen French Kiss, which we we enjoyed, and that was one that we would watch at least a couple times a year, and then this one too. So I, we probably around that same time. But yeah, same thing. It's it's just a fun one to put on. I we actually watched it with Nora the other night because I had to watch it for the podcast, and I was like, okay, well it's. it's Pizza and a movie night, so let's put something on. And I was going to put this one on. I thought, well, it's rated PG. That's fine. She'll, I think she'll enjoy it. And I started to put it on, and she goes, oh, I was actually going to watch this one on my own because I saw the director's name was Nora, so I wanted to watch it. I was like, oh, okay. Well, 
cool. Then we'll just, we'll watch it together. And, uh, you know, she, she freaked out at like the appropriate times. She's like, just go back for the backpack. What are you doing? Just go back for the backpack. And I'm like, okay. Full, Im- full immersion in the story. Right on. But yeah. What about the rest of you? Like, when was the first time you remember seeing this? And- I, I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it at some point. Um, in, in high school, probably Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks are an amazing combination, but that may be the only reason I saw it. I, this may have only been the second or third time I've ever seen it. Um, it might say something to my sense of humor or my general, whatever it is. But if I'm thinking Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, the first movie I think of is Joe versus the volcano. Mm -hmm. I probably have seen that way more than this one. Okay. It's not that I don't like it. It just doesn't jump to the top of my list kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. I I saw this about 16 hours ago for the first time. Really? And, uh, yeah. And I honestly thought I'd seen it before, but I'm getting it confused with another one. And I think, I think, I can't think of the name of it. I think you just mentioned the one that came out in 98. You've What's got mail. Where, You've got mail. Is that the one? Is that the one where he's he's like the the Borders books and music adjacent yeah. type store, and she's the okay, yeah, I remember that one, and that's what I thought this one was. I'm like, oh yeah, this is the one with the booksellers and all this kind of thing, and and it wasn't, and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this movie, yeah, and I'm I, I and and please, listening audience, I don't want anyone to start getting like you oh, know what go. I'm about to say. No, 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 we're not going there. We're not. That's what I'm saying. We're not You're going about there. to yuck everybody's yum. No, in fact, I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm just going to say, I, I won't yuck anyone's yum. I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was super well done. This isn't a, this isn't a genre of movies that I will necessarily go to. So it's really interesting because my, my list of movies like this is very, very short just because I, it, it's not my yum. Now, if someone says, Hey, let's go out and get this for lunch. I'm like, cool, man. I'm like, so it was very fun for me because I don't watch a lot of movies like this. And I, I very much enjoyed it and uh, everything you're saying with the chemistry. And, and I guess I never processed just how many movies that Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks are in together. It's um, a little ridiculous to be honest, but, but what great, but what great chemistry. Oh and yeah. I, I thought, I thought Rosie O'Donnell was very good in it. Cause was she stand up comedy before yeah. she did? Yeah. Okay. Cause these were like this and league of her league of their own was kind of one of the, some of the first movies she did. Right. Yeah. Or am I way off on that? Yeah. And I, I thought yeah. like the way, the way they utilized her was like, like really good. I thought the kid was fun. I, I thought, I thought Bill Paxson was, was good in it. Like i really liked Pullman. all the, Bill Pullman. Oh, Bill. I'm sorry. Hello. Bill Pullman was good in it. Lone star. Lone star. And then I liked, was it, was it his sister when they went to dinner? It was his sister, but was being played by his wife. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy that played in the movie Titanic, he played the designer. I forget the guy's name. The guy that designed the Titanic. Yeah, I I the actor is but... Victor Garber. Yeah, Victor Garber. Okay. Although and now you, he's now also... you, Pat, you've got me excited for the thought that Bill Paxton could have played Walter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get it. I get one um, peanut man, and game over, man. Game over. Game over. But I, I liked it when they were talking to her and, and like, and she's like, and I got so upset. And they're like, and then they're talking about the dirty dozen. And I'm like, 
That's pretty awesome. Like, they're like I'm, a great scene. I'm, I'm watching this movie. They're talking about the Dirty Dozen, and I'm thinking, well, if Pat didn't like this movie yet, yeah, yeah now I know, he's I in. <laughs> I was I was very much enjoying the movie, and when they're and it's funny because they're like the Dirty Dozen, and it was funny because I'm like. I was kind of sad at the end of the Dirty Dozen. I got a little choked up. I mean, that was it was great. Well, I'm not looking for a mail order bride. No. I'm I just want somebody that I can have a decent conversation with over dinner without it falling down into weepy tears over some movie that She's you just saw. Very emotional. Although I cried at the end of the Dirty Dozen. Well, who did? Because Jim Brown was throwing these hand grenades down these air air shafts, and oh. Richard Jekyll and Lee Marvin were sitting on top of this. Armored personnel carrier that dressed up like Nazis and oh, Trini Lopez. Trini Lopez. <laughs> he busted his neck when they were parachuting down behind the Nazi line. Stop it. Richard Jekyll at the beginning he had on his shiny helmet because he was the MP. Please no more. Oh, oh God, I love that movie. If you didn't already love that scene, a little trivia for you there, that scene was entirely improvised. I've read that. Yeah, yeah that is that is so cool. So just really great actors, like at at the top of their game. And I, I want to say like all of Tom Hanks, more serious roles. Did that come like that was after like saving private Ryan and Forrest Gump and all that was after this, right? Philadelphia is the same year. Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen Philadelphia. So oh, I'm looking man. For, yeah. Oh, wow. So I'm really looking forward to, my gosh, what a talented actor Tom Hanks is. I know I'm like saying, hi, breathe oxygen. Like, but I mean, just, just watching him in this role and. Well, when you watch Philadelphia and you, yeah. re- you realize that this, these were filmed near the same time and you see what Tom Hanks is able to do in that film compared to what he did in this one. Holy mm-hmm. buckets, man. Holy awesome. Cow. It's awesome. Some powerful stuff. That's for sure. And and I'll and and I'll just say that like at no point do I ever remember watching a Tom Hanks movie where he was like kind of phoning it in. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like he goes he goes a hundred percent with with everything. So, anyways, I I'm sorry I'm I'm kind of going off, but I I it's been less than a day since I saw this for the first time. So I like I had a lot of fun with it. And I, again, like I said, it it isn't something that I would seek out because then I haven't. I had, I had not sought it out until this. And so it was, it was a new experience for me. So it was very, very fun. I very much enjoyed it. What's really cool about it too. And if, if we're still recording in, in five more years, when we talk about you've got mail and you just look at the chemistry between Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan and the fact that they're still able to play characters that have no idea of who each other are despite the fact of their, their film history together, it's, they're so good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And Tom Hanks just, he's, he's in this movie in particular, he's a, just a very, he's a very every man. Yeah. Right. You know, and just kind of hopeless romantic, you know, you, you, you feel that magic with that one person, you fall in love with them, you get married, you start a family and you know, what do you do? When life throws you that curveball, yeah, he's so great at, at bringing the I, I I don't know from experience, but bring a lot of realism to to that moment. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I One of the questions I have for us, kind of thinking about that and, and the whole idea of this romantic relationship and the chemistry they have with each other. And so this is kind of veering off from the movie a little bit, but, but tangentially, do you believe in the concept of soulmates or do you think that love is a result of choices and circumstances in our lives? Cause this movie, and, and I've got another question that kind of follows up with something along the lines of, I think what, what Nora Ephron was focusing on with this movie, but this movie introduces the idea that maybe there is a soulmate out there for everybody. I don't know. What do you guys I don't know, that? but if we can transition into talking about the good place, I would love it. Anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, if you can find a way, then. Well, the, I don't know. Have you guys seen the good place? Because they talk about soulmates, albeit in a humorous context. But I, I have not. None of you guys. You oh, okay. I've, I've seen it. It's fantastic. You, you know what I'm talking about? Well, and it's, oh, yeah. it's divisive. Some people love it. Some people not their thing. All respect. But they talk about soulmates. So anyways, they do. And the, I, honestly, quick thing about you're right. It is divisive, and I, I never understood why. Like, I don't know why that can't be appreciated, even though you might disagree with it. Like that show has such an interesting thing about it. I love it. It it, it does, but but it's not divisive along like party lines or no no no. It's just it's, people love it or hate it. It's so strange. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, John, I'm sorry. I didn't uh, mean to, you know, dodge or... Uh, so, Pat, do you believe in soulmates? So, this, this is why I struggle with these kinds of movies, okay? Luck, serendipity. I really struggled watching the movie Serendipity. The soulmate piece, I, I struggle with a way that that's kind of portrayed many times not in this movie necessarily but in movies like this where well let's just see and we'll leave it up to chance and if chance brings us together then it's all good i'm kind of like i fall into the james kirk thing i don't believe in the no win scenario i don't believe but i believe in it if you want something and it's worth it then you've got to work for it you know what i'm saying so i i struggle with that now, here's, here's where the nuance comes, where the dichotomy comes for Pat. If you look at, oh, man, what was the movie? Tom Hanks was in it. <clears throat> Halle, I think Halle Berry, they shoot what's it called? And it was, it was a limited cast, but they played all the characters, and they were jumping into different time periods. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cloud Atlas. Yes. So Cloud Atlas kind of a, a, approaches that type of thing the adjustment bureau approaches that kind of thing. And if I understood it correctly, which believe me was hard, everything everywhere all at once kind of approaches that in an adjacent way when it's presented like that, it's kind of like, okay, like I can, I, 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 I get what they're, where they're going. Like I can kind of see it, but when it's put in like, like this kind of a way, which I don't want to say frivolous. I don't want to be insulting it when it's presented like this. My gut reaction, the place I go to is if you think that person's worth it, if there's a relationship with that, then it's something that needs to be fought for, tasked with, challenged. You're going to have to work for it. It's not just going to be soulmates. That's kind of where I go. I don't know if I answered your question or went back and forth, but that's, I have many thoughts on it, and it it, it kind of depends what point of view I come from. 
So that's my answer. Bo, do you believe in soulmates? Oh. I want to say no, because I consider myself a very logical, pragmatic, practical person. However, it is hard to ignore things that have happened in my life that led me to meet my wife. We, the way our paths crossed unknowingly growing up, and the, the way our, our family's paths crossed growing up, it, it's too many coincidences because I also don't believe in coincidences. So I, I'm at a crossroads in my belief system where with this one, like I, I can't ignore the evidence in front of me, but the evidence in front of me goes against, I'm not going to say every fiber of my being, but basically it goes against my general belief system. So I, I have some trouble with it. I, I, I have trouble ignoring the possibility though. Okay. John, how about you? Yeah, I I think, I mean, to, to a bit of what Bo said, I would say ditto, but then I picture Bo and myself on a clay potter's it, wheel and that gets awkward. It, it, um, you had to. Couldn't help yourself, could you? I'm, I'm sorry. No editing. Is your soulmate in the pod right now, John? <laughs> can, can you show us on the doll on where the doll. your soulmate touched you? <laughs> No, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to hijack yours. No, that's fine. No, um, no editing, mind you. No editing tonight. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, I think because I try to think of the different ways to even like define what it means for somebody to be a soulmate. You know, somebody who's just a a perfect match for you in terms of temperament and and just kind of like a a natural, almost as if it was naturally meant for the two people to be together and and I kind of feel like yes I don't I don't have a hard time believing in it but I also know that to to a certain degree it's it's a little of what you've said so far what what everybody has said so far is if you want if you want a relationship or a situation to work out you can work it out like you can, there are parts I don't I don't know that I I I don't know that I feel like you're absolutely destined to, if you have to find this one person, and if you don't find this one person, then your life is going to be incomplete. I don't know that I believe that, but I do tend to believe that things happen for a reason and that I don't know if I would use the word faded, but I do feel like kind of in what Bo was saying, like there are there are too many coincidences in certain cases, and I don't. I also have a hard time believing in coincidences. So that's kind of my non-answer answer. I'm going to reject my own question, but only slightly. And you did it deftly. Thank you. You know, I think for me, someone can grow into the position of being somebody's soulmate. Yeah. So I don't necessarily know that, that there are people out there that you are destined to be with, but people have the opportunity to fulfill that position in a relationship. Yeah. You know, cause like the, like you and Bo were saying, coincidences are hard to ignore sometimes. Right. You know, I look at the story of my wife and I, 
and and how we met. I don't know if I've ever shared this on on the pod before, but we met doing community theater. It was something that we both really enjoyed. And we were both part of the same community theater group. I had started in the fall of 2003, no, 2004 with this group. She had started years prior. And the way that the history goes is she had done a number of shows with this group sequentially and decided to take a break. And I started doing shows when she started to take a break. I did a number of shows and decided I need to take a break. So I stopped. She came back and did a number of shows. She decided to do a number of shows and take a break. She stopped. I started back in with the group and did a number of shows. And it went back and forth like that until we finally did a show together in 2012. Hard to ignore something like that. So I think when the interest is there and when two people's personalities can complement each other, then there's a lot of potential there for the idea of a soulmate to develop. And that's my deep thought. Yeah. Nice. So, and, and I want to, I have one other question that I'm going to ask, and then I, I want to unleash Pat and Jeff in particular to talk about the soundtrack because I know they're going to. There you go. Yeah. Limber, limber up, gentlemen. So one of the things Nora Ephron has said about this movie and its kind of long-term legacy is she said, our dream was to make a movie about how movies screw up your brain about love. And then if we did a good job, we would become one of the movies that would screw up people's brains about love forever. Do love story movies screw up our idea of what love is really like? I don't know if I understand what her quote actually means. Yeah. But as I was watching this movie, I was thinking, this is a very Nora Ephron movie. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) It's, it's, It's a very Nora Ephron movie. Yeah. 100%. Does this movie screw up your brain about the concept of love? So if you watch, I I think part of the idea, you watch old black and white movies, and that's going to be one of our three questions later. You watch old movies. You watch love story movies. And movies have a way of showing us a, I don't even want to call it a caricature, but a version of love. An idealized version. An idealized version. Right. Okay. So these movies show us the things that I think in some way, a lot of people to some degree want to see happen for themselves. Yes. But that that realistically, it may not or probably will not happen for most people. Right. So if that's what she means by movies that mess with people's brains about love. Okay. You know, and and does this movie fall into that? descriptor kind of if you're if you happen to be in a position where you are a single parent and you want to still find love somewhere then does this kind of set you up to believe that yes it's still possible absolutely and yes it'll happen at the top of the empire state building yeah like i can't imagine that in some way that doesn't check somebody's boxes for what they're hoping for does that mean it's messing with their brain? That depends on how hard that person wants to believe that. 
Is it nice to have some sort of escapist fantasy? Absolutely. But then do you really sit there and go, but I can still compartmentalize and say, that's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Or someone going to watch this and go, see, it is possible. I saw this great documentary called Sleepless in Seattle. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I, I think that it, it can plant seeds of what's possible, but I don't think it would serve enough to truly mess with people's brains about what reality could be. In any, then, I don't know. Yeah. That's me. That's my own Jeff Mazuka take on that. In any relationship that you've had, whether it's your your current one with your spouse or not, has there been a moment where you've done something or said something and you're like, huh, well, it worked in the movies. You ever had a moment like that? Maybe you're trying to pull off some kind of a grand gesture or you were trying to do something and you're like, Huh, that's not quite how that worked when I saw it in that one movie. At best, I can say maybe. Nothing comes to mind. Yeah. But I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I feel like I'm sure I've tried something dumb over the past mm-hmm. 15 years or so. As, as steeped as we are with movies and as much as that is part of our zeitgeist and, and how we view the world, I can't imagine any of us haven't at some point incorporated that into something indeed i'm just struggling to come up with an example i i gotta tell i'll give you an example i gotta tell you guys do not try to recreate the grappling hook scene from batman 89 that one does not work well what the hell did you do (laughs) i i was just gonna say man duh like (laughs) at what point did you think you on a grappling hook would actually work let alone you and somebody else i unfortunately i weigh a little more than 108 yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm picturing this, John, and I, I, I don't know what to say. Unfortunately, if that's the weight limit for the grappling hook, I'm not even sure I'm getting off the ground. <laughs> Might start start pulling pieces of the building down on top of me. Yeah, that's a thing there, man. Yeah, what have you pulled from the movies to try on Tammy? <laughs> And did she, did she call you out on it? That's the bigger question. Did she call you out on it? I, I'm going to sidestep that question if there's any <laughs> chance of this stuff being recorded. Number one, like, so I'll, Jeff, like, well, let's talk in person. I'm going to follow Polly from Goodfellas and just anything that I've pulled from movies to try on my wife, I'm not going to either confirm nor deny any of that stuff. I Pat just rejected though, your question. <laughs> Thank you. I think, you know, what I, what I think, I I don't necessarily go real like specific the way I see this, this question, like, oh man, does this change the way that, you know, da, 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 da. And again, partially because I don't watch these movies. Like I I very seldom ever watch these movies. You know know what I'm saying? And I don't want to loop them all, but like this genre of movie. So I guess I'm just not very good good romantic slash spouse slash whatever. I I do think it, it kind of like gets into the bigger discussion of, okay, does 
watching violent movies desensitize you to violence? Does watching, I think that it gets into that type of thing, right? Does watching a lot of only in Hollywood love stories, does that give you a, a jaded view? And I don't necessarily think it happens in a specific way, but I think what can sometimes happen is if you don't realize that there's a reality, you, you know what I'm saying? Watch too many war movies. Are you going to, you know, get caught up in thinking that war is just glorious, right? That combat is an adventure. Do you know what I'm saying? And watch too many, I don't know, going on like, like that kind of a thing. And I think that like that piece, maybe you have to be careful of with the idea that boy, it just romance just happens all the time and it's all just click. And this is where I get into the piece with the soulmates is okay. On day one, you might look into their eyes. They look into your eyes and everything's great. But then like on day two or on day one of the marriage, you got to realize, okay, do you squeeze the toothpaste or roll the toothpaste? And sometimes that kind of stuff, there's not a lot of romance with that. Do you know what I'm saying? Those kinds of discussions. And so I think that's the piece that I think the, the cautionary note would be is it's not all days and wine and roses. It's not all like it is in the movies. Like the, the person you, you fell in love with, I'm the person that hopefully my wife fell in love with me at one point in our life, hopefully. Well, it's like there's going to be days I don't smell so good. There's going to be days that I'm grumpy. There's going to be days that I'm going to, you know, and I just think that that's the piece that, hey, watching romantic, like, that's great. You know, that's awesome. I watch an action movies. That's great. That's awesome. But it's like, that's not reality. So as long as is you keep that in mind and realize that in the real world, it's going to take work and it's going to take patience and it's going to take all that other kind of thing, then I think you're okay. But so, yeah, I don't know that watching Sleepless in Seattle is going to be, give you a jaded view of the world. And it's like, oh, well, I'm going to try and meet someone at the top of the Empire State Building. And that's just going to be, you know, but in the same token, like, I think if you just expect every movie to be like that or every movie, every date to be like that or everything to be like that, well, I think, I think you might be in for some problems. That's just what I think. But I probably don't know what I'm talking about. All right. I want to give you guys enough time before we go to our three question segment. I want to give you enough time to talk about the soundtrack here. So what do you think? Like two, three hours? Would that be enough? That'd be a good start. Okay. All right. That'd be a good start. All right. So tell us a little bit about the soundtrack of this movie. So I actually bought the soundtrack on my commute to school this morning. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's and awesome. I've listened to it twice so far today. It's a compilation soundtrack. Right, it's a compilation album, so it's not really original music. It's it's music that was compiled to be used throughout this film. And when you start listening to the specific pieces outside of watching the movie, it's a lot of good pieces of music. It's a lot of fun pieces of music that really kind of fits in the genre of just hopeful love, right? 
just the, the, this idea that, you know, I just, I, I want to be a romantic. I want to believe that that love is good and pure and out there. And a lot of those, a lot of the songs that are used hit that, you know, for no pun intended, they hit, they hit that note. And then some of them start to dig a little bit deeper into some ups and downs of, of relationships. But I think the the collective of the music used is fantastic. And I was thinking about specifically the opening number of, of the song, which is As Time Goes By. You must remember this. A kiss is still a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. And when two lovers... You know, you hear that, initially you hear that music and you think Casablanca. But this version is Jimmy Durante, right? And I think what that suggests to us, the viewer of the movie, is that this is going to be a very charming love story, a very sweet love story, a very hopeful love story. But then when you hear it's Jimmy Durante, it's also going to be a little bit of a goofy love story, right? It's going to be maybe a little bit outside of, of perfection because it's Jimmy Durante. He's not a vocalist. Does a great job, but he's not a vocalist. And then you bookend the movie with another Jimmy Durante song at the end of it, as if to say, I hope you've enjoyed our silly little love story. But the soundtrack as a whole is just, it, it's fantastic. A lot of great pieces. Patrick, what are your thoughts? Jeff, you summed it all up. I, I'm a big, as I know many of us are, I'm a big fan of the big band swing music and the, that you know, was throughout the soundtrack. Now, obviously, how awesome buying it on the way to work and listening to it twice, that is just outstanding. So you're probably yeah. much more versed in, in all the ins and outs than I am. Loved hearing Harry Connick, loved hearing his band. That's great music that I grew up listening to. So it's it was great hearing that in the movie. And a lot of Bye Bye Blackbird, one of my favorite tunes in there, which is very cool. And I think it was during the thing when they were doing the plane chase across the country and in the taxis and stuff, there was this, I, it almost sounded like sing, 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 but they kind of wrote like a sing, sing, sing adjacent piece to play in there. I, I might be totally wrong. I'd have to go back and check it all out. But the music was very fun, very fun to listen to. At what point? The musicians. What was that? At what point in the movie? No, at what point? I want to say it was when he was in like the taxi following the kid, you know, the plane following the kid. And then they get into the taxi and I think Tom Hanks cuts in line and jumps into the other guy's taxi or whatever the right. heck it was. I, I think this, I think they were playing like a, like a big band sing tune there too. And I couldn't identify the tune. It sounded like sing, 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 but it wasn't. So it sounded like a, there's some fully instrumental piece on the soundtrack and that's called an affair to remember.
And it was by who? Mark Shaman. Shaman. Okay. I uh, that might be the one. I'd have to listen to it, but yeah, I don't. I don't know when that song was used in the movie, but we can listen to it tomorrow. I can play it for you, and you can let me know if that's the one you're thinking of. Yeah. So in any event, I really enjoyed listening to the soundtrack. Great music, and yeah, it's I. That's awesome that you bought it, and that that just confirms how great it was. So, well, that's and, all I got to say yeah. about that. You have such classic songs by Louis Armstrong, Nat King Cole. Oh, yeah. You know, Carly Simon, Joe Cocker, Harry Connick Jr., like you said. I mean, the, the, these are just brilliant vocalists. Mm-hmm. They bring a lot to a lot to the performances anytime that they perform music. And then you look at the songs that, that, they, that were selected from these artists, and then you look at the combination of these individual songs as put together for this soundtrack. And it just it, it really just a lot of it hits the, the highs and lows of relationships and love and hope and despair. I mean, when, when you have, oh, what's the song that they use? In the, in the wee small hours of the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. That's such a great piece of music. I'm mostly familiar with Sinatra doing that one, but I think for this movie, it's a, a Carly Simon cover. And I mean, it it's great. It's great. And it's all those beats and all those moments. Yeah. Just, it's such a, a well thought out selection of tunes to use, especially when you're pulling from non-modern artists, right? The catalogs of these artists are huge. There's a lot to work with. So finding the specific pieces that to hit, hit the emotions that you want to hit throughout the movie. I mean, it was just, the soundtrack was just compiled so well. Mm-hmm. I agree, man. I am always a, anytime there's Nat King Cole on a soundtrack, I am always a fan. Yes. All right. Anything else you want to say about the soundtrack or anything else about the movie itself before we go into our three questions? Yeah, the, the, the soundtrack of this of this movie reminded me a lot about of the music that was used in a, a TV show a while back called Everwood. I don't know if you guys ever yeah. watched Everwood. Mm-hmm. Was a Treat Williams was the yeah. main actor? Yeah. yeah, Treat Williams. Yeah, but they they featured so much great music. Yeah. In, in those episodes. And again, a lot of it wasn't modern music, right? They, they dug deep to really find tunes that really hit specific emotional beats. And again, I, I connected it to, to this album when I listened to this soundtrack today, because I was like, you know, whoever put this together really knew what they were looking for and had specific ideas about specific emotions and feelings they wanted to make sure to accentuate with the underscoring. But yeah, go watch this movie. It's it, you're, you're not going to regret it. Are you going to watch it all the time? Maybe, maybe not. But if you're going to watch it once, you're not going to regret it. Yeah. Agreed. All right, gents, it's time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. 
I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, first of the three questions. Have you ever called into a radio show? And if not, which one would you have liked to called into? I've never called into a radio show except to try to win a contest. Okay. Didn't win. But I suppose if I ever called in, like it would probably have been sports talk okay. to rant about something stupid the Bears or Cubs had just done. Okay. More than likely. There's a lot there to choose from. Indeed. <laughs> I think that was my lovely wife as well. She said the only time that she really probably ever called in was to try to win tickets from the US 99 country channel that was on here in Chicago. Still is on yep. here in Chicago. I have called in. I called I called a couple of different radio shows. In my house growing up, WGN radio mm-hmm. was on all the time. So I, I at one point I know I tried calling in to a Spike O'Dell's show back when Spike O'Dell was doing his thing. Nice. And never I I've made it as far as being on hold mm-hmm. to see if there would be time for me to talk, but Never happened. But I was on air talking to Dean Richards Hmm. on a Sunday morning when he was doing his show. And he was going on about the movie 300. Okay. When that came out. And he was kind of harping a little bit about how violent it was and kind of going down that road. And Dean doesn't like the violence. He still doesn't. And I, I, so I called in and he was like, so what'd you think? I was like, I really liked it. I said, I'm a fan of Frank Miller's original comic. I thought that it, it held true to a lot of what Frank Miller did. And he's like, but the violence. And I said, I've seen more violent films. So, but, you know, and I remember this conversation. He's like, but there was decapitation. I said, I've seen so much more blood in a slasher film than I have in this one. I said, I don't, I, it's almost not fair to say that this movie is too violent. It's a war movie. So there's going to be violence. And then he was like, all right, well, thanks for calling in. <laughs> so so I, send me I take it, if, he doesn't like, if he doesn't like decapitation, I take it he hates Return to Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But yeah, I mean, I just calling into WGN radio a couple of times and, and then getting to meet a lot, of the, a lot of the personalities. When Spike O'Dell retired, he recorded his last broadcast from the Metropolis Theater in Arlington Heights where I had been working at the time. So I got to work his last show and then hang out with he and all, all of the names, right? John Williams showed up. Uh, Annie was there. Orion Samuelson was there. Link was there. You know, just so many of, of, of the radio guys that I had listened to growing up were there. So that was a lot of fun for me, for sure. But yeah, WGN radio, man, that was, that was where it was at for me. That's where I made my radio debut. That's nice. cool. Very cool. Very cool. Patrick, Very have you called cool. in? I did. I called into the loop, talked to Danny Bonaducci back in the day. 
We're pretty big Danny Bonaducci fans. So yeah, I got to talk to Danny one night. That was a pretty cool experience. Um, I was calling in about a situation that had arisen at school, a rather embarrassing situation. And uh, I was just going to tell him about it, get a laugh and all that. And unfortunately he took that and kind of ran with it as those guys tend to do. So it was like, I came walking out and my folks were like, okay, so, and they weren't fans of Donnie Boundary, but they're like, hey, Patrick's going to be on there. So they were listening and my mom was laughing at me. She goes, okay, so that's what these guys do. They take situations and they run with them. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, it was a good learning experience, but looking back on it, it was pretty fun. And like I said, man, every night I'd listen to Danny Bonaducci. Every day it was lit morning. It was Kevin Matthews. Like me and the crew I ran with in high school at that time. Like that was it, man. We all listened to Luke. Yeah, remember him and Jim Shorts? Jim Shorts. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah, man. Then the weekends, I I catch a Dr. Demento show and... So, but Danny was our guy, man. We listened to Danny Bonaduce. I remember when he and uh, he and Donny Osmond did the boxing for uh, raise money or something like that. Oh man, it was all kinds of mayhem going on then. But yeah, yep, I was on the air. Got to talk to Danny Bonaduce for a couple, two, three minutes. Huge. Nice. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there might have been a couple times as a kid I tried to call in to like you know, a request show and, and ask for a particular song to get played or stuff like that. And I'd always, every once in a while, I'd call in to try to win a prize for something. I feel like there was a radio station when we lived over in England, there was a radio station that the, okay, I should have hit the nerd alert button. They had the, I want to say it was the audio book and, and maybe the book form. They had just released the Klingon Dictionary. <laughs> and, and, and the radio station was if you called in they were going to give away free copies of the audiobook version of the Klingon dictionary. I don't know if you could nerd any harder than you are right now. Can I let me let me see I got to I got to find the Is that me, a challenge gonna, Jeff? I'm going to do I'm going to do two sound drops. To... Let me do two sound drops that will complement each other. Let's start with nerd alert and conclude with That's extraordinary. What would you like to do next? You called into a radio show trying to win a Klingon dictionary. Yes, sir. Jeff, I, Jeff, I, I'm sorry to say this, man, and I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to be exclusive, okay? But you're 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 casting pod with three Trekkies, and you're wondering <laughs> if we could nerd out more. I mean, is that has the gauntlet just been thrown down? I mean, I I love you, Jeff, and and you're like, I don't want you to feel left out. Any movies you want to watch? Any? I'm just saying though. Keyboard. <laughs> How quaint. You know, sometimes when you win, you lose. (laughs) I just want to say, I'm not going to yuck this patox yum. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) Sure. Now, see, Jeff, if you had the clean line dictionary, you'd know exactly what I said. If the Mogwai licks himself after midnight, (laughs) does he become a grumble? I mean, can can, can we nerd out more? Answer, I think we can. What if, what I if, think we can. If Gizmo, Challenge accepted. If Gizmo sneezes into his own hand, does he start and to multiply? I'm sorry, you were breaking What does he do in his own hand? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my word. <sighs> anyway, the show that, and I, I probably called into a couple of different shows just to like request songs or stuff like that. We used to actually live 
right next door when when his house was being renovated. He moved into the house next door. If any of you guys listen to the the country channel here, US 99, they had a disc jockey named Big John Howell and he lived right next door to the house we live in now. And I worked at I worked at the cash register at a car wash in the town that I live in when I was in college and he would come through all the time with his son. And at the time I was like I, I didn't know yet if I wanted to go into newspapers, go into education, go into radio. And so I would always ask him questions when he was there. And he just he kept telling me, he's like, you know what? Just work on, read everything out loud. Like as you're driving down the street, read all the street signs out loud. Like if you want to be in radio, if you want to just read everything out loud, just, just keep practicing, do that kind of stuff. So that was always kind of cool. We were trying, we were debating tonight when I asked this question at dinner. I couldn't remember which kid it was. I think it was for John, but I had tried to call in because I remember WGN would, you, you could like announce the birth of your child on the radio. And I remember calling in one time or, or even maybe on, on TV and they would feature the name. And I remember calling in, I want to say the day he was born and trying to get him in on the, whatever the game was that was being played, whether it was radio or TV, I don't remember, but I remember trying to get in on that. Now, embarrassingly, I will say this, the show that I would have wanted to have called into that I listened to all the time in high school that I never called into was Man Cow's Morning Madhouse. (laughs) I wasted so many hours listening to that show. And I think that says a lot more about me. Well, I would say not go. I am. I was never a man cow free speech radio network. I was never a big man cow fan. But you can, uh, but you can say the tagline well, yeah, pretty good. I can. Rock one I was a big. I was yeah. Rock one Well, I, and I, I know I'm going to get a little bit of. I'm going to get a little bit of flack here from some of some of the some of the guys here. But I, I was a big Howard Stern fan. So oh, I, okay. Uh, All right. I so I'm not. I'm not like I said. I'm not going to cast any judgment. Nothing wrong with here. Howard. Did you find yeah. Man Cow to be a a, a rip off of Howard Stern? No, no, it just, it wasn't, I'm not going to yuck any yum. I'm not, I think, I think he was definitely doing his own thing. I think if I did make that claim, I think there'd be a lot of man cow fans out there. One of them might be our illustrious host. It might take great umbrage at that. Oh no. Did you, did you see that at that, that way? I had, I have no umbrage to bruise. Oh, okay. All right. But no, I, I, I didn't see it that way. I just like, like Howard Stern, like I saw him at his first I saw him when he did Fartman on the MTV Music Awards, and my buddy's dad actually worked in broadcasting. And and we're just like, my buddy and I were watching it. We're like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. And we're laughing, and and my buddy's dad was just like, and we're like, who is this guy? And like, he's just, he's like a shock jock guy. He's like, a shock jock? Yeah, he just, he's this guy. Yeah. And he, cause he, this guy, this was before he was big, and then, then it just kept going. And yeah, we'd catch him every morning and, yeah, it was. I, so I was a pretty big Howard Stern fan. I, I, I honestly, I honestly believe Man Cow's audience that he is best for his target audience is probably between the ages of fourteen and seventeen. Okay. Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. We had uh, I, I put these out on Twitter as well. So we had one of our listeners, Joshua Sieben, who is at Dark Aguer on Twitter, said, "No, I have never called into a radio show, but I would call the ninety three X." Half-assed morning show, which is a morning show out of Minneapolis. I looked it up. Okay. No. All right. Question number two: favorite black and white love story movie. I apologize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeff. I mean, I it's, 
It's it's obvious for me, right? You all, oh, you all I was going to say. That's true. You, you all could answer this for me. Yeah. It, it's definitely Casablanca. Yeah. But if I, I, I do have a backup if, if, if we wanted to ignore the obvious, the obvious one, but I'll hold on to that and see if anyone else goes there. While you're there, one of the folks on Twitter, the, the name, they only have one name on Twitter, Majid at Majid underscore high said the one and only Casablanca. That was also their answer. No, I, it's only, I don't know. I don't know if you want to even call it a, a love story. I think of it as a love story. My my answer for this one is it's a wonderful life. Hmm. I thought about that. Yeah. And I was trying to And I know you could you could argue against it being a a straight up love story, but I don't know. I that's that's some of my favorite parts of it, so I'm going to go with it. I thought about that one as as could you consider that to be a love story? Yeah. Parts of it for sure, but Yeah. Well, my, every time we'd go see a movie, my dad would always tell us it was a love story, and the first time he ever used that was when we saw Gladiator. So I kind of figure I can argue anything a love story. <laughs> well, Gladiator really, yeah. It is. It was a love story yeah. there. I, halfway through the movie, my mom was not as convinced, but, you know. She just needed to see it with a different point of view. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Pat, Bo, what do you guys got? This is a tough one. I'm realizing I don't have a quick, I didn't have a quick answer to this one because I don't have a deep catalog. I might daily double, I might daily double Casablanca. I was going to triple down and just say it's the one that pops to mind because I don't know that many. Roman Holiday, maybe? Yeah. Would be the only other one I can think of that I could recall enough of to comment on. Yeah, the other one that I was toying around with was His Girl Friday. Mm. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I've never seen that one. I've heard of it. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And then when I realized I didn't know many off the top of my head, I went looking up some lists, and I realized I haven't seen many of them. Around the Corner is really good, too, but I was like, like that's going to bleed into the whole you've got mail thing, and right. we're not there yet, but Shop Around the Corner is really good. Does Captain Blood count as a love story? Yes. Yes. Okay, I'll put that on there. Yeah. I, mean, I, I honestly, okay. if you take if you take my dad's philosophy, you can argue that any movie is a love story. I jo- joking aside, I, I just said it a couple minutes ago, but King Kong. <laughs> my, yeah. my my dad would constantly argue that that was a love story. I'm just saying. Yeah. Can't wait to Patreon on that one. I know we got to do that one soon. Or mm-hmm. real episode that one. Ninety years, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Ninety years ago, that movie came out. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to think about. All right, question yeah. three. All right, question three and uh, three. I I think I almost just need to make question three a an official sub segment of the thirty something movie podcast. I'm I'm going to create a new sub segment, a little bit like thirty podcast after dark, but this is going to be the thirty something food podcast. Because it mm-hmm. always comes up, and I think by now, after this many episodes, it deserves its own sub-segment. When was the last time you ate? There is no food in this high mountain! I gotta figure out a way to grow three years' worth of food here. Randy, don't play with your food! Eat it! I'm talking about food. 
real food. So this is the 30-something food podcast. Question number three. In this movie, Jonah tells Sam's date, Victoria, thanks for dinner. I've never seen potatoes cook like that before. Side question that I didn't ask here. What way do you think she cooked them? But the real question, what's your favorite way to eat potatoes? Oh. I, I, I like to have more grown-up tastes, but my favorite way to eat potatoes is probably tater tots. Okay, that's fine. Tater tots. That was my son's response was like diced up in like a breakfast skillet kind of a thing. Wow, mm-hmm. fancy pants little, over there. Little, uh, little seasoning but on it. And who's, who's making that for him over there? He probably would do that himself. Mm. I'm like, you can just do that yourself. That's fine. I'm I'm going to be very traditional and just say French fries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I, I do enjoy me some tots. I enjoy me some baked potatoes. Yes. Twice baked potatoes. We I had, potatoes. we had twice. We were, we were actually just talking about that tonight. We had twice baked potatoes at our wedding and that I really like potato skins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In order of potato skins from the TGI Fridays back in the day. I mean, that was it's good stuff. You know what I do miss are the buffalo chips they used to have at Buffalo Wild Wings. There you go. Those were good. Uh, my daughter's response was either fries, chips, or shepherd's pie. Ooh, good call. I'm very picky when it comes to chips. I yeah. <laughs> clearly I enjoy chips. Well, but there's 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 one brand that I will always, no matter what, it's, I think out of Rockford, it's a brand called Mrs. Fisher's. Ah, oh, yeah. they are good. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. difficult to find around here, but so damn good. Pat potatoes. I, oh. I enjoy chips too. Ah. I think Eric Estrada is great. Estrada, knew that was coming. My answer to this question is yes. I, they're like, saw that coming. Yeah. There's no potatoes. Like, I mean, yeah. Tater tots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. French fries and every variation of crinkle cut and straight cut and like the, the steak fries, the steak fries. And then the, the little, the grid, what do you call it? The grid where they're all waffle fries, waffle fries, waffle fries, fries. Oh. scallop potatoes. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you guys like a baked potato you're talking about. Yeah. How are you going to do baked potato? You're going to load up veggies. You're going to put you like, you're going to put everything chili. Gonna, is, yeah. butter, is but, butter and cheese. Those are veggies, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. And, put it up. And Loaded then, uh, you know, like I eat potato skin, love that. I'm, I'm telling you, like the funeral potatoes. If you've ever had funeral potatoes, holy cow! I those things go to the bottom, and those things quicker than you can say lickety split. I'll tell you, mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Love me some mashed potatoes. And you know what I do with mashed potatoes? Here's a callback from an episode that we released last week, or it's coming out next week, or I don't know what the heck. What I do for the mashed potatoes? A little pepper little olive oil. And then you know what I do? A lot of spoonfuls of Giardinera. Mix it all up in there. there it's good stuff. That's good stuff. I'm telling you, the mashed potatoes. I was I was getting slightly worried when you said, you know what you do with the mashed potatoes? Hey, now. This is important. I was like, this I was is... like, we got we got two different ways we can go with this. We've either got close encounters of the third kind. I was, I was just or, about to say. Or Pat's I'm... doing a rendition of Varsity Blues. <laughs> I was about to just say, I was just about to say, man, this is important. This means something. Mashed potatoes, talking about the mashed potatoes. The other thing is we got this potato salad 
potato arugula oh, yeah. paste potato salad. It's with like an uh, olive oil, vinegar, balsamic vinegar, like dressing, potato, Ar- red potatoes, arugula, arugula, holy buckets, arugula. It's a vegetable. Oh, arugula is good. It's a vegetable. It's a vegetable. It's a vegetable, and it is beyond good. There's good, and then there's beyond good. I'm sorry, Actual guys. I, I realized that when I brought up this food segment, I should have just played this for Pat's part of it. Dream Weaver. <laughs> I believe you can get me through the night. Yeah. Ah, I love me let some me, potatoes. Let me ask you this as, as a follow-up. If you've got a craving for fries, mm-hmm. where do you go? At least three places. And then try to decide the best. <laughs> that is the correct answer. Okay, well done. Well done. Oh, man. That's so, it's, oh. Right? Yeah. It, it kind of depends on the mood. Mm-hmm. So let's start with this then. Where do you not go? You know what? Who's got fries that you just don't really like? I'm going to be honest. If fries are overly greasy, like it, like if it's the gut bomb kind of stuff, like there's play, and I I don't want to I don't want to bad mouth any places on the on the air, so to speak. But like if it's the gut bomb stuff and it's super greasy, I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, all right, I got to take a pass. But even like like the unhealthy isk places kind of stuff, like I'm I'm okay with that. But there's sometimes, like I said, it's if it's overly greasy. When the it's fry like, bag, when the fry bag is transparent, yeah, that's when. Yeah, it's but see, like, but see, if if those fries are wrapped up in a newspaper with a nice piece of fish, and dumped and vinegar is dumped on top of them, sometimes nice piece that, fish that can be very good. Yeah, I just I just don't want to pay for it later. You know where if mm-hmm. I was if I was gonna go somewhere like if I had a craving for it and I was just gonna go somewhere close by I yeah. would I'd probably actually do the Portillo's cheese fries. Mm-hmm. I do like the Portillo's cheese fries. Has anyone ever been? There's a hot dog joint in Evanston called Edzo's. Mm. Have been there. I don't remember having their fries though. They have a French fry menu. Oh, mm, the whole neat. half of the menu is all dedicated to different kinds of French fries: truffle, Parmesan, garlic, this, that, and the other thing. Okay, and they have one that I personally have have to have when i'm there once in a while they call them old fries you ever get that batch of fries from like mcdonald's but at the bottom there's like a couple of crispy ones because they've been through mm-hmm. the fryer twice mm-hmm. oh tell me tell me bro. that's Appreciate old fries they do them twice and they're all oh. this crispy crunchy oh <laughs> Man. How late are they open? I'm getting in my I, car right now. I, I, that's a great question. It's Evanston. You never know, man. Matt, can you swing by and pick me up on the way? I, I'm I, Jeff. I'm pulling in your driveway. Road trip. Just walk out. Awesome. <laughs> it is. It's something else, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I go to you go to place. I would like your French fry flight, please. <laughs> right. Like, could I have one of? Oh, that's not of a bad idea. All of those, please. The French flight. <laughs> Ooh, the French flight. I made the mistake of looking at Edzo's Burger Shop's Instagram page. Mm-hmm. How late are they open? How late are they open? I don't know. Give me some hours to work with here. Man, that's rough. Yeah, it's it's something else. But let's ow, oh, they're open. <laughs> Tuesday through Thursday, they're only open till seven PM. Oh, okay. All right. 
I, maybe at some point we make a road trip to Edzo's. That, to the Mirthmobile. That looks Fries, 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 fries. Yeah. But you're right, man. Like the fries thing and uh, tater tots. Tater tots are really good. Yeah. yeah. Who does? Oh, gosh, I can't remember who does it. Regulars used to do it once in a while, but it was like a seasonal thing. They did loaded mm-hmm. tater tots. So it's tater yeah. tots and cheese and scallions, and they put something else on it too. It wasn't chili, but maybe it was salsa or like pico de gallo, but it was, oh, it was fantastic. Domino's Pizza started offering some tots aside. They, That's right. They did. A couple different ways. Yeah, the, the late night craving, it's usually French fries. Yeah. Carbs, 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 carbs. Pat, Pat, I'll know you. I know you will appreciate Tristan Martin, mm-hmm. who has been on with us a couple times on the Superman podcast that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, at mm-hmm. Tristan Martin on Twitter, you'll appreciate his answer: boiled, mashed, stuck in a stew, with a nice brace of conies. Mm-hmm. Potatoes. 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 You know what? That I definitely appreciate his answer. Awesome. I'm just going to throw right out there. I like raw potatoes. I, ever since I was a kid, my mom would have like the food processor and she'd be chopping potatoes. And I'd always be like, as a little kid, I would go up and just like, like just start eating the chopped ones. And there's times like I'd eat the entire and she'd go, Patrick, come on. And then she'd have to pull out more potatoes and chop them up and then hide them from me. And then it was when that was one of the things when we realized we weren't in the romantic movie. Tammy and I were married and she was like chopping potatoes for something. And I walked up and I just grabbed the bowl and I just start like raw potatoes, all the crunch of an apple, but it tastes like a potato. Love it. Oh, well, Love raw potatoes. That's it. Hmm. There's a, there's a funny so, scene. Have you tried it? I want to try it, but I'm not try it. sure. I'm skeptical. Try it. I'm skeptical. Try it. Indeed. Be skeptical. Have any Don't of you guys, skeptical. have any of you guys watched the show that's on Apple TV plus called shrinking? No, but it mm. looks so good. Okay, so Jason Siegel, Harrison Ford, they are psychologists in this show. And there is, in one of the episodes, Harrison Ford is, of course, very gruff Harrison Ford. He, I think he is his character. And there's a scene where he brings in, I think he brings in like a bunch of potatoes that he's been growing in his garden. And there's a scene mm-hmm. where Jason Siegel gets mad at him for something he said. And he grabs the potato and tries to take like a, a big, huge chunk bite out of it. And he mm-hmm. does spend like the next 15 to 20 seconds trying to bite this potato. It's a super mm-hmm. awkward scene that just makes your teeth hurt. Ouch. Yeah. I'm, I'm, maybe you just got to chop it up. You got to chop like it up said, a little man, more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The next do that, time you're up. cooking potatoes, just grab a slice of potato. Yeah. They're really good raw. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I think we've established that at some point we're going on a field trip to Edzo's Burger Shop. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not tonight because they're not open, but, you know. We can get in. We can find a way. We we have ways. We, we know how to do this kind of stuff. We All right. People. Well, that's going to do it, gents. Thank you so much for being here for Sleepless in Seattle. You're going to catch us at 30 Podcast on the different social medias. 30podcast.com is our website. You can leave us a voicemail there. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to answer any of these three questions or if you want to argue with anything or agree with anything that we said here on the show, feel free to reach out. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll, we'll play it on the show and react. As I said, our next several episodes in the month of April are location, location, location. We have today's was Sleepless in Seattle. Next week, we've got a Bronx. We're going to take a little break from that the the week after or sometime kind of in the middle of all those. And uh, Patrick was a special guest star on another podcast. Yay. You had, uh, it was like four, 
four different podcasts got together and did a bond yeah. bond girls draft. Yeah. 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 So we're going to, all the, all the podcasts that were involved in that are going to put that on their feed on April 13th, which I think is the 70th anniversary of the release of the original Casino Royale novel. Mm, I believe that was my understanding. Yeah. So, so that'll be coming out April 13th. And then the rest of the month of April, we've got Gettysburg and Philadelphia. Our Patreons for this time, if you're a Patreon co-executive producer, you've got access to these. So hop on over there. Any level of support gets you access to all the bonus stuff we do. We've got the Razzies of 93, Indecent Proposal, Body of Evidence, Cliffhanger, Last Action Hero, and Sliver. And then we've got a couple of Patreon shorts, Sleepaway Camp, which I just watched the other day. Man, is that a weird movie. And then our other Patreon short is Evil Dead Rise, which is coming out here in just a couple weeks or so. If anyone is bold enough to go see it with me, I'd be happy to have company. Pat, I'm not sure it's going to be the movie for you. Just, just Probably in, not. In, just in watching the trailer, there are children put in danger and all kinds of other stuff, so... I, I don't do well with that, but you don't do well you know. with that. So I'm just I'm just I'm watching out for you. And then if you're thinking way ahead, the month of May is our action movie month. And our Patreons for that one are American Graffiti, Local Hero is one of the shorts, and The Hunger is one of the other shorts. And then our regular episodes for the month of May are In the Line of Fire, Demolition Man, Loaded Weapon One, Striking Distance, and The Three Musketeers. My brother suggested that when we do Demolition Man, we might all want to have some Taco Bell. Some Taco Bell. Andy. I, th- mm-hmm. I, I think I'm okay with that. I mean, might want to record a little earlier in the night because that might cause some issues as as we age. And in, Indeed. Yeah. It's, I'm going to have to do like the Halloween twisted version of Pat's Dreamweaver song. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Not pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Not pleasant. We're going to have to learn where... Okay, Let's do Taco Bell, but then we're all going to bring our own th- three seashells. Well, no, I, I meant in our own respective homes. Oh, okay. <laughs> we do the Zoom recording, but okay. we have Taco Bell. We're, we're not going to go oh, to yeah. someone else's house and destroy everything? <laughs> no, I, I didn't think that would be good. Okay, no. <laughs> Jeff would yeah, never invite us back ever again. Yeah, no. 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 All right. Well, as always, gents, thank you. Love talking movies with you. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. John. Thanks, guys. All right, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next time.